ready for Monster Jam! down to this two weeks of monster truck racing in louisville kentucky's freedom hall to determine the 1990 tnt world champion can the chevrolet equalizer make it two titles in a row or is the ford bigfoot ready to reclaim the title of king of the monster truck you're about to find out here on tough track everyone i'm scott douglas welcome to tough tracks chris chapman joins us in a moment but first army armstrong we are ready to have the third world champion crown two years ago usa won and bigfoot came down to the wire usa won won it here at louisville kentucky's freedom hall last year david morris took the equalizer to the championship again in this building and this time around the equalizer with its new driver greg holbrook andy brass and bigfoot one of them leaves louisville next week with the championship the only thing for sure when they pull out of the bluegrass state is a blue truck will be a world champion there's been so much controversy in 1990 with the uh, penalty given to Bigfoot crew, them having to come back with adversity, John Pyant filling in. There's almost a, a Hollywood drama there. Then you got this rookie coming over, and you call him a rookie only because it's his first year driving. This kid has turned out to be a seasoned veteran in about five short months. That, of course, is Greg Holbrook, who hopes to put the equalizer back in the championship circle. The Bigfoot now that's a way to start conversations with Scott Douglas. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us. As uh, I'm sure a lot of you know, but if you don't, I'll make sure you know that uh, this program, which airs, uh, which streams live every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights at 8 o'clock. Thursday nights have always been, since we started, what we call Throwback Thursday. So here in the month of January, to start the new year off, uh, the Throwback Thursdays will all be tributes to Tough Tracks. And you were just kind of watching my start in uh, Monster Truck Television on that Tough Tracks television show. And uh, we are just absolutely honored tonight to have as our guest in the conversation, the gentleman who is standing there with me, who uh, was my first partner in Monster Truck TV, but he's known for so much more than that, uh, for all the different shows he's been involved with, the different series, and uh, continues to be, as you can follow on social media, you'll see his name come up all the time, one of the most beloved figures ever in Monster Trucks and in a lot of different industries throughout motorsports. A true legend, iconic, I don't, I don't, you know, all those are understatements. Um, 2013 member of the International Monster Truck Hall of Fame, but uh, back in 30-some years ago, he was my broadcast partner. Let's welcome in Army Armstrong. Army, how are you? Hey, man, I'm, I'm rocking. You know, if you're going to play the music loud, it's got to be rock and roll. So let's, let's go. Uh, that, was, that was fun to see that. Uh, we, we, you know, we're... we're yeah, we're looking a little different these days, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I was I was looking through some stuff and I'll uh, I'll probably pull a couple things out here later. But uh, I, I've never been a big collector of stuff. And um, but then again, I looked and I realized they didn't give us a lot of tough tracks gear. The show wasn't really on for all that long. And those first ones, as you can see, I was actually wearing a tie for some weird reason. Uh, I got over the tie part real quick. And you were always <laughs> you were always dressed dapper, but casual. Well, I tell you, yeah, very casual, I tell you. Uh, that was an interesting show. That was, uh, you know, there was a couple, a series of shows that came on there uh, with the TNT organization. Uh, and that, you know, that was a part of the Monster Truck history. Uh, 
you know, people say, well, I used to watch this and I used to watch it. I bet, do you still have people come up to you and say, hey, I saw you on TV or they'll have their child with them? And, and, and in their eyes, you can tell that they're going to say, this is the man I used to listen to on TV. And that, sure. that's kind of a neat feeling. Sure. And, you know, and little kids, um, I've told people, a lot of people have asked me, they said, well, how long is monster trucks going to last? <clears throat> And I told them as long as there's six, seven, eight-year-old boys, there's always going to be monster trucks. They're always going to sit in them big old wheels and have a good time and, and have mama go to the races. And, and that's that's why the sport is, uh, has gone on like it has. And, and, you know, the Monster Jam people, they took it to the next level uh, uh, after they, they originally, uh, the TNT circuit started off and, and it was acquired by uh a company and then uh, uh, Monster Jam people got involved with it and it's a, it's an interesting story and and uh, I hope somebody writes a book on this someday that's that would be a good project for you yeah it it would be uh, I thought about a lot of it maybe I'll have to crack into one at some time so you know what's interesting is that people uh, a lot of people associate me with you so much and we didn't work together all that long but our careers have kind of paralleled and, and you already mentioned TNT. Uh, that was my foray getting into uh, the monster truck industry. And it was only a couple of years later that, as you mentioned, SRO Pace was the name of the company at the time that acquired TNT. And we all had choices to make. You had a lot of other options and decided to go different ways. And we still kept seeing you on all kinds of different shows. And, of course, I decided to stick with the Monster Jam folks. And that's where the rest of my career has been. But it's interesting. It's worked out well for both of us, I think. Oh, I tell you, it definitely has and. And we both enjoyed. We both enjoyed the people. Uh, neither one of us uh, like to get involved in the politics of thing. We just like to sit there and talk to people about what they're seeing and and have having to have fun and seeing them have fun. That gives us, you know, that's the motivation. That's always been the motivation for me. When you see a little kid that's pumped up, or you think, you know, that that parent wouldn't be here unless little kid want to be here. And now they're together and they're having a good time. That always meant a whole lot to me, and uh, and and to be able to make a living like we did, uh, you know, we're we're awfully fortunate. Of course, it opened up doors for you with Disney and people like that. So, uh, you know, there's nothing, you know, I'm not looking over my shoulder at all. It's it's been a good trip, and plus the statute of limitations have run out. So we're good. <laughs> I, I knew the statute of limitations would come into this. We have, yep. we have no worries because the stories we're going to tell are way beyond the statute of limitations. But Army, while, while we're starting off, I, I think a lot of folks might be interested because, you know, they, 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 they know you as this iconic figure on these broadcasts and with all these different types of shows and series as you did. When did you, were you always interested in cars and motorsports? Was it a lifelong thing or is it something you kind of just worked your way into? I tell you what, it's kind of interesting because I've, I've gone back and studied things. That, uh, I lost my father in a plane accident when I was eight years old, and I didn't know that much about him, but uh, I, I do remember certain things. And I was all, always went and read Hot Rod Magazine. The school librarian knew it every time it came in. It went from junior high all the way through high school. They'd run me down to get the Hot Rod Magazine. I had an interest in it. And uh, when I turned 16, my mother brought out a book. You, uh, I bet you've seen them, too. They're kind of an oblong book with black pages and had pictures on them. They, yeah. they, that's what we used to have their family out. Okay. And my mother, when I turned 16, 
she walked over and handed it to me, and she said, you get it honestly. I just want you to know it. My dad was involved in uh, sprint car racing and flat track motorcycle racing. And the pictures, that's my dad. He's, he's a racer. And it's uh, uh, kind of interesting because I had an opportunity. I remember uh, going to in, in flat track motorcycle racing, the Springfield Mile is the premier race. And I can remember uh, going with my dad to that event when I was, uh, you know, five, six, and seven years old, I remember it. And I had an opportunity later in my life to go, go back to my very same seat and do an opening for an ESPN show. And that was, I mean, it was eerie. It, wow. it really was. I mean, wow. I, was, I was so proud. It's kind of like, look, Dad, I, you know, I made it here, but uh, um, it's, it's all about racing. I've enjoyed it. I've uh, been, I personally been involved in drag racing and won some national championships there. And uh, I, uh, I just, I just like being around the people. I like the smell. I like the fuel smell, the the clutch smell, the rubber, all this stuff, the grease and everything. I like that. That's I get when I get that. I, I don't know. It, it, well, it, you know because you get it too. You can just you get you get into a, a car. I can smell a racetrack before I even hear a racetrack. Uh, and uh, but. That's that's just me. You know, and I've been involved in other things. I was a vice president of a liberal arts college here in Orangeville, Brescia College, uh, for a number of years. But that just that just uh, ran the JA program here in Orangeville for six years, and I was the number one program director in the country for those six years. And I really enjoyed that working with young people. I've always enjoyed that, and uh, to this day, I'm still working you know, any any way I can to help young people to benefit themselves. Yeah. You know, army, one of the things that, um, um, I think I, uh, yeah, I lost myself for a minute. <laughs> All right. I'm back. Um, yeah. One of the things that, that really, uh, amazes me is, is the, uh, uh, ability of you to be not well nationally known, but certainly in some ways the way the internet is now and everything that people watch on, on YouTube and, you know, worldwide known, and yet um, you've really stayed rooted there in Owensboro. You go, but you, you've always had uh, a real hometown pride there in Owensboro. I know Owensboro's proud of you. That's uh, been a special part of your life. You know, I tell you what, it, it did. And I appreciate you saying that because I do love this town. And uh, uh, a lot of people ask me, well, why don't you go to California or go to Atlanta or wherever? And I always felt that... Uh, you know, I want to stay in Owensboro. As a matter of fact, my contract actually read that I had to be back in Owensboro, Kentucky, in order to take my children to school. And, wow. uh, you know, wow. Mason, Shane and Mason, I'd, we'd had, I'd get in at all hours of the night. And, uh, but at 7.30 in the morning, we were sitting in the parents' line at Sutton Elementary School. So that's, all, that's always been important to me, the community. And I've been involved with the Christmas programs and working with different things like that. But... Uh, one instance stands out with me. I remember one time, as a matter of fact, we were doing the show here at Davis County Fairground. We had, we had weather come in, so we canceled the show. And the TV crew, this was an ESPN shoot, the TV crew uh, said, what are we going to do? And I said, well, you know, this is my hometown. Come over to the house. And uh, everybody went out and got some adult drink. I, I don't uh, partake in that myself, but everybody did. And they came over to the house. We're sitting here. And uh, 
I, I remember uh, uh, my wife walked in and she said, hey, Army, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run to the mall here a minute. It was dark outside. And I one of my cameramen from uh, Los Angeles, he jumped up. And Mike Honey, my cameraman, he jumped up. He's from Atlanta. And uh, I didn't know what, there, what was going on. And both of them said, we'll go, we'll go with her and everything. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, it's dark outside. You know, in Atlanta and L.A., a woman doesn't go out by herself after dark. And I said, you can do that in Orangeboro, Kentucky. And that made me, it really made me realize, because, you know, you and I go into big cities and stuff like that. And a lot of times we just fly in. A lot of, you fly and you see the airport, you see the venue, you see your hotel, the venue, the hotel, the venue, the airport. You don't really get to see the town. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's got the small town atmosphere and everything. You know, it's just a good, everybody kind of knows everybody. You know, everybody yeah, kind of knows everybody's yeah. business. Yeah, 10 years of my life I, I, I spent there and, and wouldn't change it for the world. Loved uh, everything I did with uh, WVJS, Channel 2, uh, even go back to WOMI. And, and of course, um, you know, loved doing the Kentucky Wesleyan games for the years. But that was my start in motorsports when Andy Vertries came over and said he wanted a, a professional broadcaster to be his announcer at Kentucky Motor Speedway when he bought that little track there in Whitesville. And, you know, you think about it, we'll talk more about it as we go through, but, you know, from the wall trips to the greens to, you know, you and I and Joe Lowe. And there's so much Jeremy Mayfield. We can list the names of people, you know, who have made an impact in motorsports from, from right there in that nice little town. Well, you know, and, and uh, the boat race and the Sterrick family, as a matter of fact, one year, the, the, the unlimited hydroplane circuit, there were six boats on that circuit. Five of the six boats were driven by Orangeboro people. Jim McCormick and his brother drove two boats in the Sterrett. Bill Sr., Bill Jr., and Terry Sterrett drove the other three boats. And Bill Muncy was the only driver from uh, that wasn't Morrisboro, Kentucky, on that circuit. And then you turn around and you look at the, the, the big deal now is the, the motorcycle industry is found in Owensboro. And, of course, Nicky Hayden, you know, world champion, uh, a big smile on his face, just a, a super young man. We really lost a, a great kid when we lost him a couple of years ago. But uh, he was a world champion at Cape Morrisboro. He had two brothers, uh, Tommy, who's now ahead of the Yamaha flat track motorcycle division, and their shop is located in Owensboro now. Wow. And uh, that's Major wow. step, yeah. They they bought a hangar out the airport, and they, they man, they're doing some some really good stuff. JD Beach is one of the new young riders, and uh, he's coming up. Hayden Gillen, Montreal, Kentucky. He got won a national championship last year. Motorcycles, everything. It's it's a uh, uh, it's just kind of a racy little place. <laughs> yeah, it is. Hey, you can go to any restaurant on Monday morning and talk to people. Go back to that same restaurant on Friday, and they picked up five mile an hour just sitting there talking during that week. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you go, wait a minute. So, yeah, it's a, it's a race in little town. It, it really is. And uh, we're going to talk more about Owensboro, but a lot of other things as well as we go through tonight's conversation. New Bigfoot, the CNC Monster Truck Today on Tough Friends. 
This is beautiful Memphis, Tennessee, home of one of the most powerful college basketball programs in the entire nation. Hi again, everyone. I'm Scott Douglas. This is Tough Tracks. You know, the Memphis State Tigers have made a reputation as one of the top teams in the country, and the Mid-South Coliseum's their home. But this week, and for the next couple of weeks after today here on Tough Tracks, these guys are going to make it home. The superstars of monster truck racing, like Dave Wysorek's Nightlife, ready to do battle as they try and get prestigious victories under their belt in the quest for the 1990 TN World Championship. In 1989, the world champion was the equalizer with David Morris. Gary Porter and the Carolina Crusher came in second. For the first time this year on Tough Tracks, we're going to look at those guys in action. Right now, Army Armstrong has both drivers with him. Well, thanks a lot, Scott. We're standing in Memphis, Tennessee with two of the fellows that went after each other tooth and nail all 1989 for the Renegade World Championship. To my left, the young man that came out on top of that pile, David Morris and the equalizer Chevrolet. David, you won the World Championship in your rookie year, and you know for one thing for sure, everybody's going to be coming after you in 1990. What are you doing to hold this pack? Oh, my. Look at those baby faces, and now we bring it to reality. Our first special guest tonight to say hi to Army, the original Carolina crusher himself, Gary Porter, and, of course, Army Armstrong. Gary, thanks for coming back to the conversation. I'll get out of the way. Say hi to Army for a minute. Hey, thank you. Hey, Army. It's good to see you. Good seeing you again. You doing okay? Everything. Last time I saw you was at the Monster Truck Museum. That's exactly right. We were inaugurated into the Hall of Fame the same yeah. year. It uh, and that was an honor. Uh, went in with uh, I'm trying to think now. Uh, uh, Samson and uh, Scott Stevens went in with us. That's right. Uh, and Alan, uh, I'm trying to think. His name went in. Yeah, that was a that, that's an honor to be in that. And, yeah, Pizzo's there. Yep. Yeah, Alan Pizzo. Yeah, there, there you go. But uh, just to be nominated uh, and by your peers, and the fact that I didn't drive a monster truck, I was just there to kind of you know, tell the story, and uh, it was a great story, wasn't it? We had a great oh. time doing that, and uh, I, I used to love to watch you run because you were a privateer. But you always had plenty of horsepower, but uh, you could always run with anybody uh, with your driving ability. And your truck handled well, but you're making good horsepower. But, man, I used to love to watch you run on that figure eight up at Louisville. I mean, I mean, you were backing it in like a sprint car. I'm not kidding you. And uh, it, uh, a lot of people remember that. I mean, you had some finish line answers that uh, a lot of people still talk about, but that that was a lot of fun doing that, wasn't it? It, it sure was. And normally, I, I mean, normally, I just can't uh, thank you enough. I mean, how you led me along in the early days, and of course, Scott and Joe Lowe, another announcers, how you know over the course of my career. But um, y'all actually know what to say and how to make us look better than what we actually are to the fans. And you might not have drove a monster truck, but I guarantee you, you put a, you put more input and you inspired a lot more people than some of the drivers ever thought about. I mean, uh, you're a legend. Hey, well, hey Army, you know, yeah. I, what Gary was talking about, I wanted to follow up on for just a minute and get you to talk a little bit. John Seesock started an interesting thing on social media. He sent me a note and a lot of people chimed in. But John was talking, and I'm sure Gary will get Gary's thoughts on this too, but John was talking about how um, he, he always marveled at what we did in terms of being announcers, whether it's on TV or at the live event. What he talked about was how we could, you know, make them look better 
than they thought they were. And, and certainly when things weren't going well, we could turn it in the right direction for him. But what he was asking about specifically was the amount of things. We, we always had something to say. We were always ready to go. And Ken Stout talked last night about the list of things that he had ready to go uh, for the Chili Bowl, where they've got like 300 competitors and all the research he does. But, you know, part of it is research. But with, with you, it always seemed like you just cared about these guys and, and you had a knowledge for them. Is that fair? Yeah, that's I, I really did. Uh, the TNT people, uh, you know, the, the company was started by uh, a group of farmers that uh, had all the crop in the ground in the winter. What are we going to do? One of them was on the board of the Louisville uh, Farm Show. And uh, the head of the uh, <coughs> farm show was a fellow named Don Johnson, <coughs> who had put on the Seattle World's Fair. And you put those two people together, an indoor tractor pulling started. And then Billy and Joe could see the evolution of monster trucks coming this way. And uh, he, he, he's the one that said, let's go, let's get, get on this train and everything. But I, yeah, I've always cared for people like Gary. I remember, you know, I'm, I've been a privateer race myself and come in and been by myself and had to do things, nothing like they, they had to do with the big tires and all that stuff. And, uh, it seemed like when, when, uh, at that time, everybody was having a lot of problems with their transmissions. And I was noticing everybody would help everybody else out. And man, that's, that's, that's what really helped the sport grow because I can remember uh, Anderson, man, he would, people would pick on him. Uh, and everybody said, oh, I got Anderson first round. You know, you know, and then uh, he worked his way through. And uh, I can remember the first time I met Dennis Anderson in Raleigh, North Carolina. And he was standing next to me. I was talking to some people and that guy got, looked at me and started talking and the first thing that impressed me about him he said yes sir no sir and i thought that's a southern kid right there and i introduced him to billy joe miles the president of tnt and one thing led to another and you see the success he's had and uh, and and one thing a lot of people don't know and gary's part of this when dennis became successful <clears throat> he shared and uh, you know you got great drivers to drive for him uh, Gary Huffaker, guys like that. Man, uh, he didn't have to do that. There's other people out there who are just jumping at the bits to drive these monster trucks. But he remembered who helped him get through this, and uh, and and, he, and I think that's admirable of him uh, because Gary, Gary, like I say, was a privateer, but he's always competitive. And at, at that time, there was only really, I would think, Gary only. Two trucks had any kind of help. Three, uh, the Stomper Bully Monster Truck. They were getting a little bit of help from Chevrolet, but they weren't a real. You know, you couldn't guarantee on them to be there in the in the finals every week. They're, the finals every week seemed to be at that time Bigfoot and USA One, and they put on <clears throat> just one heck of a show. And and, and the stories there behind those guys. Uh, it's amazing. As a matter of fact, this is kind of interesting. The Discovery Channel came out with a new channel called uh, Discovery Plus. And they, I, I, we did a thing a year ago and uh, about monster truck racing. Because I just want, I don't, I want the sport to keep going. But it has a start. Now they're at that start. And you were there too. And 
you know, you start and you go down a road and things change and what have you, but we can tell the story of the start. And that story is being told on the Discovery Channel here in America. Uh, Bob Channer and Everett Jasmer tells about the rivalry between those two guys. And all you have to do is get on the Discovery Plus and go to autobiographies and then go to uh, uh, checking things out. There's a three series there. There's Mary Andretti, uh, Junior Johnson, and uh, Bob Channer. Okay. And they bring him in and they bring Everett in there with him. And, and they had Tom Meets do a, a few uh, sound bites on it. Dennis did a few sound bites on it. He did a sound bite on Everett. <laughs> You'll understand this, but he said, I never had to complain when Everett was there. Because all I had to do is wait a minute. And he'd go and complain about something. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> everybody said, don't, don't let, it, let him go. Let him go. So, uh, you know, that's, that's a story. And, and there's a lot of those stories out there. That's the reason I think you ought to write a book. I, I really do because, hey, Gary, you know, this stuff that we did and we loved, and Scott, uh, we're not going to be here forever. I'm closer to eternity than you guys are. But something I wanted to, I want people to know about what we did. I mean, yep. Yeah. You know, and with the technology, they, they wouldn't even believe what we've done. It, exactly. And, and how we got from point A to point B and <laughs> the haulers that we had and the equipment that we went to a monster truck race with. I mean, there's no comparison. And it's just, um, I'm just amazed at how far the trucks did come in that short period of time. Well, you know, the technology was amazing and, and uh, uh, the Custer shocks and, and everything started going. And I remember Bob built a... Uh, uh, a complete chassis out of 4130 chrome ollie and uh, they just had to take it away because they had so much flex and chrome ollie works good on drag cars and, and NASCAR cars but on a monster truck 10,000 pounds up in the air slamming on the ground uh, it, it wasn't going to work the monster tr trucks had their own world they had their own type of metal they used they had their own theory uh, weight balance uh, you, you you guys can and you, I explained to somebody one time a monster truck okay might have lost army there real quick we'll, we'll try to reestablish that uh, Gary while we're, while we're hopefully hooking uh, hooking army back up uh, with that technology if we still got Oh, we got all right. We got Army back. <laughs> Army lost you for okay. a minute. Just go ahead and pick back okay. up. You're talking about the technology. Yeah, well, the the fact that the, the trucks uh, in this thing on, on the uh, Discovery Channel, like the show, uh, the engineering and the design that goes into those things, man, you guys, like you said, in a short time, that the technology just went zoom. Uh, the, the Custer shocks, the cantilever suspension, uh, uh, plant tire pressure and stuff like that. People never realized, you know, the, the, what, what you were doing. And the whole thing, Gary, is you were still rolling maybe with one guy with you and handle that whole thing. And I don't care if we were in Minnesota and it was to a 10-foot end in. Uh, you'd still be out there loading and unloading and doing that. And you did everything. You drove the road truck. You drove the, you know, the tractor. 
there and everything. And uh, I, I, I keep talking about Tracy Smart, but he was a big part of this sport to me because he was there when it started too. And, uh, and then he got involved with you. He got involved with Scott Stevens. So he had a different viewpoint on it. Then he came to work for TNT as the flagman uh, because we told him it was the neatest job in the wait, world. Wait, just, wait, wait a minute, <laughs> Hold on, Army. I got to stop you. We got a lot of younger viewers watching right now. Yes, there was a day when there was a flagman down on the track to throw the green flag. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> That's he, always, he wore Converse tennis shoes so he could get out of the way. <laughs> it was staying right between the monster trucks. And, uh, you know, another uh, name that you don't hear uh, very often anymore, you know, Scott Johnson, he put a lot into uh, making the monster trucks today, you know, to what they yep. are today in the early days. He was a, uh, he really went to bat for us a lot of times at TNT, um, you know, on how to yep. set the races up and, and the purses and everything. Well, yeah, he, no, that, uh, he, no, right, he was right, Johnson's father. His dad uh, yep. actually uh, put on the Seattle World's Fair and okay. Scott came in. Yeah, he was a people person. He he worked he he worked at a higher position, but he worked with us where we were, and and brought the message to us and everything we needed. So yeah, he he definitely contributed to the sport. You know, I told Gary that uh, I was only going to keep him for about fifteen minutes for having fun. I did find something. I, I was telling Army as we started the show. I I don't know about you guys. I don't have a lot. And, of course, Tough Tracks was only around for a couple of years. So I really don't have any Tough Tracks-wise, but very little TNT stuff. But I was going through it, and I, I hope I can show this right up here. Gary, if you can see this right here. <laughs> so so this is what we did back in the day. The, the This autograph right here is Gary Porter. And what happened was that uh, you guys came to Louisville Speedway, and one of my daughters, I didn't realize, that had gotten an autograph on just a oh, white wow. piece of paper. So this was, I, I, I believe it was Rhonda Greer at the time, was the track photographer, gave me this picture of you. And so we just went ahead and stuck your autograph right on the picture here from back at the uh, Louisville Speedway. That's awesome. That was look, what, on 88, but, 1988 or 89? 88 or 89. And look at all the metal you're on top of there. That's exactly right, man. I always look forward to going to that Speedway. I always enjoyed it. And, uh, man, anywhere around Louisville there, Freedom Hall, um, mm -hmm. You know, it was just, it was a very special place there. Yeah, it, well, it, it really uh, was kind of yeah. a, a home of Southern hospitality. I mean, for every, they welcomed, had their arms open for every kind of racing to come into Louisville. Andy Berkshire's got that track going, and a lot of people, those that don't remember, uh, the track was a figure eight, and you hit the cars two times in a race. And uh, man, that, well, that picture is exactly what I was talking about you earlier. You know, the, the, the front ends up, and you you know you're you're working that yeah, thing. That, and was a, that was a long. That was a very long time for a monster truck to even run continuously back then. You know, that track was probably <laughs> what forty five or fifty seconds, something like that, would be our yep. lap times. Yep. And yeah, and yeah, many people the monster truck running for that long. Yeah, and you guys weren't breathing them either. Ever that's what you, when they went out, it's like everybody was the nicest guy in the world over here. And you look up, and this guy's got war paint on. And that's when he put his helmet on. And that's when he kind of yeah. And man, when that flag went green, they pulled the trigger, and it was a war out 
there. And I don't care who you were, you were doing everything you can to beat the other guy, and you respected him. But, uh, man, it, uh, there were some, some instances that just really spooked a lot of people to think, why, why would somebody want to do that? And I'm still trying to figure that out myself. <laughs> hey, before we you let know, Gary go, before we let Gary go, I, I, I did come up with another gem that I wanted to show you guys. Uh, I'm going to put this up here without comment see if you can see it. This was one of the original TNT. I don't have much, but it's one of the TNT monster truck challenge. You can see the logos on there. That they right. did, And it's literally typed on the back. It's just some bio information. And, and, John's, and John had on there, no problem with driver John Moore were voted over, overachiever of the year in 1988. That's an award I didn't remember, but I uh, always love to see John and Heidi at the racetrack, Gary. I know you remember them well. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I always yeah. love seeing them. And the girl, uh, well, and they, you know, I them a while back. Go ahead. They live in Florida now. Jacksonville, or Heidi, like you say, she was a, a very important part of that show and uh, a racing operation with their daughter. Uh, she kind of, kind of like Adam and Ryan with Dennis. Uh, right. They just kind of grew up. And when you went to a monster truck race, they brought their, their daughter and everything. It was like she had 20 aunts and uncles there. Everybody's <laughs> watching out for them. And, and she, uh, she went to the Navy, and I bumped into her. She went to the Navy and is a very high-ranking individual in, in the Navy. And, and I'm so proud of her. And, and like I say, Heidi, uh, she would be the one to tell Everett to go complain about something. Yeah. And John, <laughs> his truck was real short wheelbase. And on the, on the shorter tracks, he could really, you know, kind of make something happen. But when he got a lot of speed and, and, and didn't have the, the give and the chassis that he needed, uh, he, had, he had to make some moves and changes there. But, yeah, they're in Florida now, and I understand they're doing real well. That's right, but it was just, it was always great at the TNT races and, uh, you know, with all the great announcers they had there in Army and, uh, man, I just can't thank you enough for everything you've done for me over the years and it was it was just one big family and, uh, like I said, everybody was there to race, but everybody was there to help their fellow racer also if they needed help. You know, that, that is so true and, uh, I mean, I, I just, I was, older than you guys and i just kind of looked at you i can remember when i was going out uh, on the road and racing and stuff like that and it can be the neatest thing in the world uh when you're winning and the crowd's cheering but when it's 30 degrees and you're freezing to death and everything your nose running you're trying to get the thing uh you there's a, a, a something that, that a human being has that makes you do that and it's right. passion we all had a passion for what we did, and everybody brought their best to the table. You know, if you were a good transmission guy, you'd help guys with transmission. If you're a good rearing guy, you'd always go visit Dennis Anderson because he was always breaking rear ends. And you'd take an extra one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it was just a good time. And you met new racers. You didn't see the same racers every, every week. You go in, and like I mean, there's a boy uh, in a truck called Casper. Dale was his first name out of Mississippi. Johnny K. The reason we call Johnny K is Army A couldn't pronounce his last name. So I just <laughs> called him Johnny K out of New York. 
and uh, and guys are pretty like that, and they like being part of running with you guys. They were seeing you on TV, and to be able to come and run an open competition and run against you, because at that time every area had its own truck. You were the man in the caravans, and there was a boy over there that ran a Dodge. Uh, I'm trying to think of his name. Gary uh, Wiggins. Gary Wiggins, that's exactly Gary right. Wiggins. And uh, yeah, there's a, and then you're in Kentucky, you had guys in Indiana and everything. And TNT is the one that said, okay, all you guys are hot shots and big guys in your area. Let's find out who the real one is. And I was glad when they did it because they brought safety standards in, which a lot of guys, you know, they just wanted to jump and show the cars off. And when they brought the safety standards in, it really, really helped the sport, and it made it safer for the drivers. And uh, you know, because we didn't, you know, you guys are our friends. We didn't want to see you get hurt. And uh, uh, but that, that was one of the things I was really proud of TNT for doing. But because every week, I, I can remember being at Stafford Springs and looking out. I was in the announcer stand doing something. I looked out and there's like three monster trucks I've never seen before in my life. They were coming to race with you guys. They thought they could beat you. So it was an open door policy, you know, run what you run. If you think you can beat these guys, you know, quit talking and start walking. Let's see what's going to happen. <laughs> and and for you guys, you guys always, I remember, you always welcomed those fellas with open arms and you always helped them if they needed it. It wasn't an arrogant, like, well, we're the big guys. And, you know, you're, you all didn't have that mentality. And and I think that was good. You uh, you never had none. None of you guys that ran with us for that way. Everybody was kind of really level headed. But like I say, a new guy come in and nobody's seen before, and he needs something, and you got it. It's there. Oh, that's and you don't right. You go to anybody's trailer and get about any part that you wanted, and just uh, replace it the following weekend. And uh, yeah, that made it very special for everybody. Yeah, Garrett, that, that, yeah. go ahead. I was going. No, I, I was going to look. I, I didn't want to hold Gary too long. It's just when we get going with uh, with guys oh, like this and with Army, it's uh, you know we could probably sit there and do the show for all night and into tomorrow. But Gary, I wanted to thank you for being a part of it and then kind of give you the last word to Army uh, b before we let you go. Hey, thank you, Scott, for having me again. And uh, you know it's been a pleasure and an honor to be on here with you, Army. And I just can't thank you enough for what you did for me and for the sport. Uh, and I mean, you just, you'll just never know how you inspired people and uh, uh, the positive input you had on a lot of monster truck drivers. Well, I tell you what, uh, I love you all like brothers. I really do. And uh, uh, we got good memories and hopefully we got some good memories in front of us too, but I wish you and your family all the luck in the world. And, uh, you know, like I say, you're going to have, when you set that grandkid on your knee and bounce him, you're going to have some good stories. <laughs> and, and, and I hope you, you got some TV, you know, got the shows that you can actually show what you did because people in the future are not going to believe, you know, what you guys did with those trucks. And uh, it's, it's, it was an honor to work with you and I wish you all the luck in the world and, uh, you know, Godspeed to you, bud. Uh, let's, just, let's just keep going through the rest of our lives. Okay, Gary, I love you like a brother. Hey, thank you, Army. Love you, too. And thank you, Scott. Love All right, you thank you, Gary. Appreciate having you on. Army, before we go to the, the next break, Gary really got us into an area uh, that, I, that I wanted to uh, talk about just a little bit. And that is kind of how, when I started working with you, 
you remember that I, that I came into this. I had done racetrack announcing from up in a booth, but my yeah. job had been, you'll remember, as a sportscaster on Channel 2, especially in right. Owensboro. I was a play-by-play voice for Kentucky Wesleyan Television. Make sure I say TV because the great Joel Utley did the radio, but I did, right. I did the television with Steve All and some other great partners. And, and, and then I was also a sportscaster, and so I was always covering things. And so I came into Tough Tracks and Monster Jam with that journalist sportscaster mentality. And I think the first thing I learned working with you was that there was a way to call the action, yet also be be out there and, and bring people closer to the action. You always got the story. And I'll never forget one time, I believe it was nightlife, flipped over. And of course, it was a little different in the safety rules in those days. And when I looked down on the track, Army's the first guy to the truck. You got Dave out of the truck. You made sure he's all right. You grabbed the microphone and you did the interview. And that's a memory that still sticks with me. But again, it was that's something you taught me is that you could you could still do the sport, uh, you know, from a sportscaster point of view. But there were great stories, and all these guys had different stories. And it couldn't be just uh, Bigfoot and USA One. These other trucks had to matter, and that's what you taught me. Well, and then and you got to realize that. Uh, uh, he had just written me a check uh, before he made that run. He's <laughs> <laughs> he okay, and the check cleared and everything. No, Scott, we, uh, and you do it, and Joe did it too. People are looking at what you're talking about. All we do is explain and, and wrap it in, in different packages. And one of the things that always sticks with me is, you know, in, in drag racers and, and, and pulling, people would go out and take, bottles and squirt, you know, to prime the engine. And I remember, and so many ladies contacted me because I'd always say, you ever wonder where your old hair shampoo bottle goes? Well, here you go, ladies. This is going to happen. The guy walk over and prime the engine. And more ladies, I should have gotten a uh, sponsorship by the shampoo company or something, but more ladies contacted me about, well, I didn't know that's what they were doing because they're doing something. All we're doing is explaining what they're doing, why they're doing, and who's who's doing it. And the story is how they got to that track that day and what they did last week. You can tell that, so you can add that into it. And, and I just think that uh, people like you and uh, and Joe, and uh, uh, I, I really miss that, Rascal. Uh, we all do. You all real quick, yeah. You all caught on to it real quick and like, you know, don't sell to people by hollering and screaming and all that stuff. Tell them what's going on. And, and, nope. and it... And, down that road. You know, there's a lot of youngsters who want to be Monster Jam hosts someday. And, and if you learn, if you just learn from what Army just said there, you're going to do a great job. We're going to have more with Army. We're going to bring in another surprise guest. Hi again, everyone. I'm Scott Douglas with Army Armstrong, and welcome to Tough Tracks. Today, the TNT Monster Trucks run on one of the most unique courses that they'll compete on all year. It's at Louisville Motor Speedway, and Army, it's a figure eight course. It's a figure eight course, but more than that, Scott, it's a long course for these monster trucks who are used to running on 400 feet indoor tracks. They're going a full half mile today. They're going to be asked to make left turns, right turns. They're going to run the inside of the track, the outside of the track, and the figure eight part of it, there's 30 cars they're going to have to jump over. They're running for more than just the first place check this week on Tough Tracks. A brand new feature is the silver flag. That's what we want to talk about. Kind of like a championship belt each week. The winner will take the silver flag to our next edition of Tough Tracks. This is week number one, so we're going to start with the national point leader, and Dennis Anderson and Gravedigger will be carrying the silver flag the first time around. I know the guys really are going to try and take that flag off the back of your truck. 
Yeah, well, that's exactly right, but they're going to have to take it because I'm not going to give it up that easy. They're going to have to work for the flag, which that's what all of us are doing every week now. We're looking forward to fighting, battling out for this flag. But uh, the, the course out here is, is kind of tricky. You know, there's left and right-hand turns. There's an inside and outside. And you can get ahead of a guy on these turns. They're so wide, the outside lane, and you'll think that you're going to really get away from the guy, and you let up when you, when you fall back into the inside lane, and you can lose the race because you, it's a really a tricky track. But being a long course, there's a lot of guys that can't gear the trucks up. You know, we've got, a, we've got a quick change gearboxes and a few of the trucks out here now, and I've got one of them. And we've got like six different gear sets. We can gear up for these long courses or short courses. In a sport that is known for power, Dennis, handling's going to be big today, isn't it? You've got to get around these corners. Yeah, well, that's right. We can gear up high and be the fastest truck here, but holding it in that turn is another thing, too. It's not like these, uh, like a race car. You know, these things are big and tall, and there's a limit to turning them over and, and being able to hold it in that turn. Last year, Dennis Anderson and Grave Digger were kind of chasing. Now they're chasing you. You're the leader on the Monster Truck Challenge, and that silver thing just gives them something to see every time you come out there. Yeah, well, that's right. It's, it's going to be tough, but I'm going to hang on to it all I can. It's going to be great action here on the TN. As, As you, you may have, have guessed, guessed, our next spe surprise <laughs> special guest to join Army Armstrong is the icon himself and another Hall of Famer, Dennis Anderson. Dennis, say hi to Army Armstrong. What's up, buddy? How you doing, old-timer? I'm, I'm doing good. I tell you what, I know you went home and come back to do this with me, and I appreciate it, but I also notice you're doing it from your merchandise area, so you're still trying to, to sell them T-shirts. Uh, uh, <laughs> hey, I, I, was talking, I was talking, Scott, uh, about the show that uh, the uh, Discovery Channel has, and Bob Chandler makes a phenomenal statement in there about Dennis. They were talking about running everything, and Dennis had a tendency not to get through that first round. But Bob says he said he doesn't have to. He's selling ten thousand dollars worth of t-shirts over there, and I'm running forty. <laughs> they had a piece of film with Dennis walking by, and just had that big grin on his face. Like, that's my boy. That's the truth, though, Dennis. We, Dennis, we talked about that in, uh, when, we, when you were on the show, and, and, and that part, it's interesting. It's one of the first things that uh, the Army brings up. But I wanted to start by uh, thinking about those tough track days. We just saw you, uh, the interview we did, but Army and I did with you at Louisville Speedway. But uh, remembering those early days and, and with Army and tough tracks, and you know, nobody knew what you were going to become or what it was going to become. What, what are some of your thoughts about, uh, about the tough track show and about, about working with Army directly? Well, you know, um, and I've said this in some earlier stuff when I talked to you, Scott, and, you know, once we got, you know, like to the Tough Track series, we were really getting established with monster trucks. I felt like, you know, when we, you know, once we started, you know, getting this thing to air on TV, we had our own show going on and, and we started kicking off some toys, you know, merchandise wise, as far as, uh, you know, the die cast and stuff like that. And, um, you know, and I just, and I think back, you know, I talked to Army not long ago when I was cruising through Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> I kept losing while I was going through the mountains. And I just thought of a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of episodes that we had together. And, you know, in some of the interviews that he'd done, you know, Army is really the one that inspired me to put all these other competitors on the tombstones, you know, on the side of the truck. And um, and we and I remember we were in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, at the Motor Nashville Motor Speedway. The first time we did it, I had an old paintbrush out there, 
and I was kind of hand painting them on because he was talking about the old gunslingers, another notch in the belt and all of that. And he's the one that really inspired me to, to, you know, to put, you know, put names on those tombstones. And the first one to go on there was Bigfoot. And then I kind of thought about it after I'd done it. I said, you know, Bob and then might get, you know, that's kind of arrogant, could be arrogant. You know, I buried Bigfoot. And he's a tough guy because, trust me, that guy buried me more than I buried them in the beginning. But, um, you know, once I got, you know, we got going and putting those tombstones on there, some of the other competitors would say, you know, what do you think that, you know, I mean, you, you, you act like, you know, we're too good to be putting on your truck, you know, the tombstones. How come we're not on there? <laughs> so it turned out to be a trend and every paint job we had, you know, we, we, I'd add one of my other, you know, monster truck buddies on a tombstone that we had competed together. And that was, that was all started right there from that old guy. You know, uh, army. And, and I think, uh, some, some people know, but, but there were a lot of shows that developed and TNT, uh, was, was really cranking in terms of television. Tough tracks was actually a syndicated show that would go out market to market some places that have great air times. I think in New York City, we aired at three o'clock in the morning, but we were just thrilled to be on in New York City. Uh, but there were others. And I think if I'm, you correct me if I'm wrong or somebody will, will in the chat room, but uh, the Power Track show was the one on ESPN, if I remember right. And that's what was with you and Richard Leake. And right. I believe it was Leake who coined the one run Anderson term. So I had to correct. Somebody once thought I did that. I never said one run Anderson in my life. It was either you or Leake. So you want to straighten that story out for us? You know, I don't know. I, re I remember talking to Dennis uh, because, uh, I, like I said, I can remember the first minute I met this guy, Raleigh, North Carolina. He, there was a, a mud ring, and I was he, your mud truck was sitting over in the infield, and, and you were serious about it. And I told him what really stuck with me was when you said, yes, sir, no, sir. And I thought, that, that's a classy guy. And uh, I said, you ought to build one of these things just for his personality. I could tell that this guy you know, had, had a lot going for him, but you were deep in the mud race at that time. I mean, and you were making a name for yourself. And, uh, I remember we came back the next year and, uh, we're talking about this new guy and the local guy and all this kind of stuff. And on his first run, he wiped out a telephone pole. <laughs> you remember that? We got that yeah. on film. As a matter of fact. Yeah. And I uh, do. That, I've, that was, I've, I've got, I'm sitting here in the dungeon and you're talking about that story, and that's when I was riding these doors. They're steel doors. You can't see them. They're behind me. But that was the doors. It was on that old 51 Ford. And I remember hitting that telephone pole. My mom and dad was there, and there was a <laughs> building in the infield. And I think my mom and dad had just got run off the top of that building. And I hit that. I hit a telephone pole, and I mean knocked the bottom of it, just broke it, snapped it off. And I'd lost steering, but I just, I don't know, for some reason, I just held it right on the floor and kept turning the steering wheel, trying to get it to get back on the track and clipped that pole and knocked out all the power down there in the bottom. And mom and dad was down there. And that was the first thing I thought of when I got it. Oh, God, I'm going to drop the power lines on my mom and dad. This is one of the first shows they come to to see me. But I remember it very well. It uh, and that was the beginning. You know, Dennis Anderson, uh, the, again, like I was telling Gary a while ago, you guys didn't have egos. You know, people could come down and talk with you and stuff like that. As a matter of fact, you know, you seem to appreciate them doing that. And and both of you, you and Gary, both have had that uh, about you. And as did most of the drivers, they you know they appreciated the fans being there. 
and 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 that's just that kept going for you and and Adam and Ryan, you know, they're they're doing something now where we're understanding that. Uh, uh, you, I know they're both good drivers, and you've got a, another family coming up, Winston and Crystal. I understand are uh, getting involved in monster truck races. They're going to be son. You're going to be going to monster truck races and soccer games for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that was that. That's what they had. They didn't have much choice in this family. It was either you're going to drive the hell out of a truck, or you were going on to college, and I'll see you later. And most of, most of my kids, all of my kids, in fact. You know, Kristen's taking some little college courses here and there, but, um, you know, they've all, you know, they've all, you know, jumped into trucks, still playing trucks. You know, Weston, he worked here at this shop every day and, um, and the kids just left, uh, you know, Adam and Kristen just left this morning, jumped on a plane and flew out to Salt Lake city. They're throwing down this weekend, yeah, yeah. you know, with monster jam. And, um, I'm proud to say I get to stay home. <laughs> hey, I wanted to jump back in here, guys. Uh, it's always great to see the fans get in the chat room. And, and I wanted to bring this up, and, and Dennis, I'll come to you first here with it, because, you know, one of the things that made Army special, and, and a fan, it just hit me when a fan pointed it out, it reminded me that Army could kind of bring life to these things. If you guys were in the truck and not able to do the interview, Army had a way of weaving stories that would bring life to it. And what he did with you, among other things, was he would tell the fans when those red lights came on, you were 100% and ready to go. And, and that was a cool thing, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And that was one thing that the people, and that is this old-timer, Army Armstrong, he's kind of, he's the one that started that myth, that legend about the red headlights. And I'm not kidding you, we followed that because it sounded great. And then the fans, it was easy enough for them to follow. So then that was a trend that we lived by. You know, and I, I remember, you know, griping at the crew guys and even when we had multiple teams that you guys got to keep these red lights going on this thing. And I know there have been comments made. I come out with one headlight burning and they say, well, he's only 50 percent. Army always say he's 100 percent when he's got these red headlights on. But, you know, it's that was uh, that was kind of the you know, that was kind of the thing, the fad that we had to do with Gravedigger. And that was another deal that he had, you know, jump started force it was a cool trend that I, I loved and cherished and, and and we used it you know and still do to this day i tell you another thing that uh, uh i'm gonna finish that story for him now because when the red lights came on this wfo buddy i mean he was gonna come down there but he also knew he, he was gonna break and you can go see him at the t-shirt stand as soon as he got the run over god it got to the point where he was beating the spectators to the t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> so you know that's that's neat being part of it and boy it, it, it really made a, you could see him coming around the corner he starts saying oh here comes a grave deal you, know, you get real serious and uh and those red lights come on and he'd blink them or something like that and i have earned the house and going nuts and uh but that's that's the story and you know you get Gary Porter from Carolina, North Carolina. Check this out. These guys are going after each other. They've been fighting for years around the road, fighting now, and who's going to win that? I mean, it was the story. There was a history uh, with, with everybody. And the more we got into this, the more stuff we realized was going on. I'm going to tell you something else on this guy. You know, you go to these racetracks like Freeport, New York, or somewhere like that, and they have these little cars. They call them Packard cars. Okay, watching folks. 
make sure the doors aren't unlocked and kill Little Hill. Well, they had all these little, they had like 24 of them. We did a show on Wednesday and we didn't do anything on Thursday, but Friday we were going somewhere. So Thursday, everybody was bored. Dennis comes in. So there's all these Packer cars around. And Dennis had a welder. Okay, now stay with me on this thing. Friday, we're gone. This little man comes in and gets in a four-cylinder Pinto. Okay, and he's going to go pack the track. There were 20 cars welded to that. And they sat down and talked to us about that. But they were all good welds. I want you to know that you did good. I can just imagine that little man. You know, there's always a little guy at the track that comes early to help out. And my God, he couldn't figure out what was wrong with that. And uh, uh, you should have gone, been with these guys when they checked out at an airport. Uh, for a while, their dentist was flying in, and I remember he and Andy Brass was Bigfoot. They go to an airport, and I couldn't, when they would go to an airport after a rental car deal, I had to stay away from them. Because they'd go up, <laughs> would be talking about this thing on Sunday afternoon, okay? Guy working, making minimum wage, trying to make money for his wife and kid and everything, and he's working in college and whatever. And so Dennis goes up and turns his car in, and the fellow wanted to check it out. And he came in, he kind of, no, it was Andy wanted to check his car in. So Andy did, and the fellow went and looked at the car, and he came back in, and he was just ashing. And uh, he said, sir, there's some damage to that car. Now, Dennis, looking over, going like, yours too? Like that. And I'm going, holy shit. <laughs> racing four-wheelers over the top of each other's car all night long. And, I mean, you can imagine going and checking at a Hertz rental place and see tire tracks all the way over your vehicle. But he would go like, it didn't know anything about it. Oh, your car too? Well, mine's got the same kind of damage. And I'm on the other side of the the owl rolling down the floor. Because, I mean, you, you ever laugh so hard it hurts? That's the way it was. And they just both like preachers. just okay. and, and the gentleman always apologized for that. <laughs> story. We're going to Houston Astro. Hey, go get me going. Go to the Astrodome. <laughs> Don't get him going. <laughs> the Astrodome for 80 miles away. Unless you're Dennis Anderson. So we're in the rental car. Orders in the back seat. We're going around the expressway there, and uh, there's kind of a little uh, moving rapidly around Houston is what we were doing at a high rate of speed. And uh, <laughs> I remember Porter reached over and grabbed the emergency brake and said, what's that for? <laughs> Wait a minute. Gary, Gary's still here. Gary, Gary, uh, we, we can't throw you under the bus without giving you a shot here. Is, all, is, is Army on the level with all this stuff? I think he is. <laughs> pretty wild times back in the day. Yeah. What's this for? Boom! Everybody goes to the damn front window of the car. And anyway, Anderson passes us and he goes over and something happens to the car and he actually turns the thing over for what I understand. And he we all stop at the top of the hill and the cars land down there. And you know, it's kind of like, well, you go down and check it. No. I'm not going to go check him. You go check him. No, I'm not going to check him. You go. No, I remember last time I talked to him. No, you go check him. And finally, I see movement in the car. Oh, man. Yeah, there's movement. There's movement. He's moving everything. Dennis comes out of the car. goes about 10 feet 
and he stops and he goes back in the car. You go, what? He's going back in the car. It's wrecked. Comes out again and runs 50 feet to a payphone and calls the rental car company and reported it stole. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they said, we're sorry for any inconvenience. We will have a vehicle outside the astronaut when it goes over. And I'm going, my God, I got to walk back to the hotel and he's driving a limousine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, man, I'd like to have him in the car with me when I was dating or something like that. Statute of limitations is on this. Uh, do you need to correct any of Army's recollection there? No, I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'm looking out the window here to make sure the cops ain't pulling up. I ain't listening to this. Every time you drive past, every time I drive past a rental car place, I swear to God, I think, and you don't want to be with me because I'll tell you the damn story over and over again. Hey, well, the deal, the deal back then was is whenever you know they would offer you that insurance, yeah, and it only cost twelve dollars. Yeah. So you can do all that foolishness <laughs> for only twelve dollars, <laughs> and I got it every time. Yeah, that's a cheap ticket, isn't it? You know, but yeah, uh, yeah it's the kind of stuff like we we just had good time and laughed and just like everybody. I'll never forget him reaching. To the, he's sitting in the middle of the back seat, a small car. So I mean, everybody's kind of crowded in, and he reached in there and grabbed that emergency brake and said. What's this for? And we're running by 70 miles an hour. And everybody's all of a sudden everybody's up against the front window. You know, Anderson passes, go does his thing, flips it over. We get out and watch. He gets it. Uh, come picks him up after the show. And uh, I don't know what the, what Brass did, but uh, that was a good event down there too. And they were running, they were running a bunch of tracks and uh, had pulling going on the same time monster trucks were racing. And uh it, it, it was just good entertainment. It really was. And uh, I, I, I'll never forget. Because it's like he didn't know where the Astrodome was. My God, we've been seeing it for the last hour and a half. You threw a tent on the grass at the damn show. And then and Porter doesn't help by pulling on that brake. So I let him go past us like a rocket. And, uh, but that was right after we got out of the monster. And uh, you know, it's, the rest is history. Yeah, you know, and uh, that never made the Tough Track show, interestingly enough. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> we, we never, we, we never well, discussed that Tough Track. I do have pictures of the back room that we can <laughs> Dennis, I, I promise not to not to keep you too long. Uh, you, you know, I, bedtime early around there sometimes, but uh, just kidding you. Nonetheless, uh, you know, before we, we, we get, bring in a, you know, go wrap up your time, and uh, we've got another surprise guest we're going to have coming on in a little bit. Um, I, I just wanted to to kind of get your thoughts, uh, some of this, and, and I did it with Gary a minute ago, you know, about Army and, and what he meant to you and career and, and what we've all done, even though he went out doing other things. Um, I think it shows what everybody's appreciated out of him, the fact that uh, he's always um, reverently mentioned. He's in, he's in the Mon International Monster Truck Hall of Fame. But I was wanting to get your specific thoughts about, about Army and maybe a story or two from, from what he meant to you in the early days. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, Army, he was a, you know, to me, he was a great success for, you know, Dennis Anderson, Gravedigger, the mystique of what went on, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, just 
building the brand and helping me build the brand back in the day that I didn't even know the word brand and what the definition of it was. But, uh, you know, Army was a big part of that. And he was a guy that made me feel comfortable in every interview that I'd done, Scott. And, um, you know, even on some bad days and bad, and I had a lot more bad nights at the racetrack than I had good times or, or good, I should say, good success at the track anyway. You know, and Gary Porter, on the other hand, you know, he was always steady Betty, man. The guy was right there. And Gary and I, you know, we, when we ran that Tough Track Series, you know, Gary and I were buds. I mean, we, and we still are, don't get me wrong, but I'm going to tell you right now, we were like the gorilla glue of monster trucks back then. We were, we were together through thick and thin, good and bad. And, you know, and I, it was always, it was always me on the other side, kind of, you know, needing the help in the hand and Gary Porter was there. People like army when army was, when we're doing interviews, you know, it was still the smile with a service, you know what I mean? Or service with a smile and, you know, to the fans out there and, you know, behind the scenes, you know, here I'm broke all the, you know, mechanically, you know, not well, you know, motor barely hanging on transmission, getting ready to go. <clears throat> and even when the truck was doing not that well, and I didn't feel like I'd done that well for the fans. This guy, Army Armstrong, made it okay, you know. So, uh, you know, back in those days, man, I loved doing shows with Army Armstrong. And I loved the name, you know. And it was like, you know, I don't even know what I thought. And I just felt like I was a kid. And I kind of was. I was a young kid when we started back then. But, um, you know, Army was the man. And then... Um, there was nobody any better than Army Armstrong when it came at the end of that night or at the end of that race, regardless if I won or I was defeated by someone else, that guy right there always made me smile for the fans out there. And I'll, I'll never forget him for as long as we all are here. Army, I'll let you respond to that before we go to our next break. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, uh, I can remember the first win you had. We weren't there. Uh, it was in Biloxi, Mississippi. And we had one cameraman got there from California and had taken a camera. We were weathering it, rained in in Memphis, and we were talking on the phone. And you won that race. That was your first TNT victory. <laughs> you rolled to the infield, and nobody, nobody there with the camera crew. Okay, we're going to make this face. That's how my luck was. Whenever I had a good run, it was like, there's no TV guy there. And I'm like, people are going to think I'm lying to them when I tell them that I kicked butt and the truck actually made it to the final round, you know? Yeah, he he would roll the infield and wave and nobody around. (laughs) But, you know, we were blessed to have that time together and and your family and uh, – if, if you happened to bump in your first wife, tell her I asked about her because she was part of, the, of us at that time. And Adam and Ryan, of course, I can remember them playing with little Hot Wheels. Now they're driving the things. And I understand yeah. your new family. Uh, you got two racers coming out of that. And, and I wish them all the luck in the world. And uh, you're like I say, uh, between soccer games and monster trucks, you're going to be staying busy for the next bunch of years. But, you know, always, just one thing I tell people, always remember the, you know, we got the memories. They can't take those away from us. And man, we got some good memories. We really do. And every time I see a welder, I think you too. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. And, and you know, one of the things we're doing here 
you know, maybe we'll try to take some of these conversations and turn them into a book because the thing is, uh, Army, we, we record every one of these conversations we do, but the ones on Thursday are telling these stories like like we've had with with, with Gary and Dennis and, and now at you and and you know we're we're going to save them forever. So Dennis, I, I can't thank you enough. We're going to bring another special guest in here in a surprise guest here in a minute. chase for the 1990 World Championship on the TNT Monster Truck Challenge begins in the Charleston Civic Center, and you're going to enjoy all the action right here on Tough Track. Hi again, everyone. I'm Scott Douglas. Army Armstrong, brand new year. Equalizer, who's going to be defending his World Championship, is not here this week in Charleston. He's racing at another TNT event. We'll see some highlights. But here in Charleston, we're going to be showing the fans a lot of guys that we have questions about for 1990. Well, this is the time a lot of guys roll out and lay those cards on the table. And what we're going to be looking at is a new outlaw truck called him the jersey outlaw he changed the name to outlaw that's mike wine with the four camp and he believes he can take forward to the first national championship or world championship win in 1990. the grave digger dennis anderson is going to have nothing to do with it he wants to put everybody away had a great start in 89 then it went away on him anderson said he's found the handle he's going to be tough all year long then you got marvin smith in the wild hair brand new truck brand new everything he said i've changed my name i've changed my luck I'm going to be a player this year. So, Scott, it's going to be kicking off big in 90. Starts right now. Oh, it's a tribute to Tough Tracks. We're doing it every Thursday night during conversations with Scott Douglas throughout the month of January. We've been bringing in special guests. And, you know, uh, this next one who's going to join us, um, we got to, to know very, very well as Pablo. But my first recollection of hearing that name was the voice of Army Armstrong talking about this, this tough guy from Texas named Paul Huffaker. Pablo Huffaker, come on in and say hi to Army. Army Armstrong, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. How are you and the family doing? We are doing awesome, man. You're looking good. You're well, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'll never look as good as, as Gary and, and Dennis, but, you know, I'm trying. <laughs> Tell me, uh, the, uh, the, the, the day's Army, uh, when we first were seeing uh, – uh, Paul, as he was known as then, Pablo Huffaker, uh, those are the just showing off days. What do you remember about uh, seeing this young man coming out? And, of course, he was uh, running up down the road with Scott Stevens in those days and King Crunch. Well, see, I remember him with King Crunch because one thing I remember specifically is you guys had a public appearance. Some We were in Charlotte. You all had a public appearance on Wednesday. Scott blew a transmission. That happened quite frequently, as you know. And uh, you were the mechanic and working for him. And uh, the show was over, and everybody was just trying to get out at their normal speed. And all of a sudden, man, I look up, and you guys are heading out on, on an open open trailer. And underneath the monster truck was a guy that had yellow tie-down tape wrapped around him. And he was pulling the transmission in this driving down the damn road. And it was Mr. Hoffaker right there. <laughs> Me and that guy dedicated, because knowing Scott, if he had fallen off or got pulled over by the police, he'd swore and never knew you, never knew you were there. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I remember the dedication you had. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, you were, uh, and you still are very uh, proficient in, in your field. You're a very successful businessman. And, uh, and uh, you know, you, you took, you were, you're like me. You got a chance to make a living doing something you enjoy doing. And, buddy, that's, you know, all, all three of us or four of us have, 
I can kind of say that it's, it's, it's really been a neat trip for everybody, but yeah, I remember you going out and a lot of people remember Scott because remember he came out and he always was kind of a Tim Richmond guy. Okay, always looking good and have, and he had that radio on. Okay, you guys remember that? He had a radio. He wasn't talking to anybody, but it looked good, so he was actually going away. <laughs> and you you talked away and were doing something, and then you came back. Dennis, you got involved with Dennis. And as a matter of fact, Scott, this is interesting. Dennis, remember, uh, Gary and Pablo, uh, later on as the, the sport grew, and brought them with him and, and worked with them. And I'm like I say, that's just all you know, like brother, band of brothers, if you will. That's kind of like the way it was. And uh, and and because Pablo liked the driver's suit, he liked looking good in that in that grave digger outfit. He always thought black and green were his color. And, uh, <laughs> and what you never saw was see Dennis is about four inches taller than him, and he would give Pablo his driver's suit. But while he was interviewing me, he's looking good. But if you look at his feet, they're all crumbled up because it's four inches longer driver's suit. <laughs> like he got it to 7 Eleven or something. But uh, no, it, uh, it, that was a unique time in the sport. We were all new. The sport was new. And look where it's gone to now. Look what you guys are doing, man. You're flying those trucks. And this new deal, Dennis, that you're in, these, uh, um, what do they call them, matching trucks? Uh, yeah, the matching the, yeah, the the, trucks. Uh, Mega trucks, yeah, mega trucks. trucks or maxi pads or something. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me try and restore some order for just a second, Harvey. <laughs> okay, <laughs> once once we went down that road, it's like I knew I knew we were going off the rails. Pablo, let me let me get it. Let me let you get a word in edgewise because we're going to turn Army loose again. But what are some of your memories about those days and, and about Army and what he meant to the sport? Man, you know that guy. Um, he was at the very first show I was ever at. And, and when I say the first show I was ever at, I'm not talking about the first show I ever drove at, but the first truck and tractor pull I ever went to army Armstrong was the announcer there for TNT. And, you know, shortly after that, you know, we got involved with, with TNT as being a monster truck and army was the announcer that, you know, that I worked with every single week. Um, we had a little close knit family back in that days. So I didn't, you know, honestly, I didn't know if there was another, promotion company out there tnt was our little world and you know we worked together week in week out and you know army you always made us sound really good even even if it wasn't true you made us out to be good you you never talk bad about anybody but um, you had a story about every truck and tractor puller or or every track hand or anybody that walked out on that track you had a story to go along with it and you know, I think you made legends out of a lot of us, or or, or you made legends up about us, one of the two. Yeah, well, uh, I tell you, it, it, it was an honor, and uh, I even remember talking about the popcorn lady down at Memphis Coliseum when that tractor went through the wall, and all you could see were thousands of pounds of popcorn coming out flying, and I talked about her being the world's fastest popcorn lady, and she's to take that title in Memphis, Tennessee. But uh, talking about you guys, it was just... You're, you know, we're all just real people. We're all just a bunch of guys that were fortunate to be able to do what we do. And and I've been able to go on and do other things with drag racing and stuff like that within HRA or yeah, the National Hot Rod Association. And uh, 
but people remember me from TV. They talk about things about TV. I still have people calling me this honest God truth. Three weeks ago, I had a guy call me before Christmas and wanted to know Rod Lipsow was running Dennis, and they were worthy because it was a real foggy night, and, and Dennis turned the red lights on. God don't have made everybody hair go up on their back and everything. You know, it was really neat. And I couldn't remember where it was. It was somewhere over in Virginia, I think. We only ran that track one time. But I remember going to the finals. Lipsow was just a nervous wreck. He just started driving forever. You rode around that corner, and the fog was coming in, and those darn light red lights coming around. Man, people were holding on to their kids and everything else and pushing their wives and girlfriends away to hold on to kids. Uh, you know, the, the, we're, just, we're just guys, and we all got to do something we want. And we've all been, thank God, we've all been pretty successful at it. And uh, uh, and Dennis, I want you to run that check through one more time. I think I think. If, 30 years, it might, it might go through this time, so don't give up on me, buddy. <laughs> She's still talking uh, about yeah. sex. <laughs> hey, you know, while we've got this group on, um, you know, I, there's all kinds of places we could go, but there, there's one place I certainly want to go because we're talking about announcers, and we're talking about the early days, and, and then as things really got going, and uh, and we've also had a lot of talk a little bit earlier uh, before you gentlemen joined us about Owensboro, Kentucky, and um, um, his name's already come up, but I wanted to get a, a quick thought uh, from everybody, um, and, and, uh, about, you know, what Joe Lowe meant to all of us and the great job that he did as an announcer. And Army, I'll start with you. Cause you knew him really well every day to day, not just in, in terms of monster trucks, because uh, you guys were, were both pillars in the Owensboro community for so long and you still are. You know, I'll tell you, it's kind of interesting. Again, I can remember the first time I saw all three of these guys and Joe Lowe was the same way. I had a, I came back from Vietnam and I started a, a, a t-shirt shop, silk screen shirt shop. And uh, Joe came to visit me and he had that New York accent, real heavy at that time. And uh, But he was living in Hardinsburg, Kentucky, just about 45 miles north of Lawrenceboro, around Lawrenceboro. And that's where I met him. And it just, it, we did a thing that about, excuse me, about Santa Claus. And it was, uh, we got together and did that one Christmas, and we thought it was, uh, and, and it was good. I mean, we had sound effects and all this stuff, but uh, he, uh, he, was, he was very involved in the city. He uh, was on, on a lot of boards and everything, and everybody knew him. He had a real good show uh, right before he passed away. It was, it was, uh, I, I don't know how to explain it, but you just call him in, and he didn't necessarily have to agree with you. He'd give you his opinion, so on and so forth, like a Rush Limbaugh-type show. But uh, we, and he thought the world of ever one of you all. And uh, I remember when uh, Gary Porter drove uh, a grave digger for the first time, Joe was announcing that race, and he came back and told me what a good job Gary did and everything like that. And that kind of made me feel good. And then Pablo was involved in it and everything. And just to see you guys kind of go and grow, and it was a neat thing. And I know he was awful proud of every one of you. I don't know if you all know this or not, but when they buried Joe, he, uh, wearing a t-shirt and had his glasses on backwards. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, why would he do, I don't know. I'm not going to ask him, you know, he, no, you can't but, ask him. But he, he but, was always, you know, that, yeah. go ahead. He, he was going to do it his way. He was going to do it his way. That's, I guess, 
I think that's wow. the moral to that story. And Gary, uh, let, me, let me bring you in. I know you, you, you guys were really close as well. And, and again, there's just this show just seemed like a great time to talk about Joe for a couple of minutes because we all miss him. And uh, but we all want to make sure nobody forgets how important he was as well to bringing the fans closer to what you guys do. That's right. You know, Joe, he was special. I mean, um, you know, he was very energetic, and man, he could come up with some stories too. I don't know if he learned them all from Army or or where he got them from, but uh, you know, he could he could make us all look a lot better than what we actually were. And uh, selling merchandise, I remember Joe up in Stafford Springs one year. They had uh, it was a cap or something that I don't know if it was ugly or remember exactly what it was, but it would not sell. And Joe Lowe started advertising it. As a, it was a collector's item. You know, that was the only week that was available. I mean, them things started selling like hotcakes. You no, know, he, he promoted everybody equal. Um, yeah. When the, the souvenirs, you know, and talking about us out there on the racetrack. I mean, I, he didn't pretend he had a favorite. I'm sure I was his favorite, but he didn't let nobody else know it. He didn't let anybody else know it, did he? <laughs> Pablo, Pablo no, let me get I was his favorite, you. man. Thank <laughs> <laughs> Pablo, were you his favorite? No, I was his favorite, man. <laughs> there you go. I actually, I think I had the I had the honor of doing. I think the last show that Joe Lowe ever announced um, in I think we we're in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or somewhere over there it was one of the last events. But um, man, I, I sure miss him. I was, I was, you know, it's crazy that we're bringing him up here today because I was thinking about Joe Lowe last night and and this morning first thing, and um, you know, coming on here with Army and bringing back old memories. Um, so definitely miss the guy. He was he was pretty incredible, and Dennis will know this. Joe Lowe could drag Gravedigger out longer than anybody ever <laughs> ever could. It was grave, and he could go on and on and on until he's turned blue in his face. Where he'd throw in that digger for him. you know. I'll tell you guys a funny story though that I remember about Joe because he was always, you know, like you say, he was so energetic and he was right out in the middle of everything. And we were doing a show one Fourth of July, and Joe had on his his red, white, and blue outfit like he always did. And we were in an outdoor event. I don't remember what other trucks were there, but I remember it was Tom Mintz and the Bulldozer at the time. And Joe Lowe was running around doing all the announcing at the beginning of the show. And he was he was sweating and he was getting pretty hot, you know, out there in the sun. And he got in front of Tom Mintz with the bulldozer truck right there in front of the crowd when he was uh, introducing us all when we'd roll up to the front. And Tom blew off the 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 snot or whatever the heck it is that came out of the front of that bull. But back then he was using talcum powder. Oh no! <laughs> Joe was out there standing in front of the crowd, soaking wet with sweat, and Tom sprayed him with talcum powder. So now he looks like the Pillsbury Doughboy out there. Biggest thing in the world, and Joe was some kind of pissed off. That <laughs> <laughs> he was. He took it all in good. He took it all in good fun. But well. I it's got to be one of my funniest memories of Joe out there on the track. Yeah, and he probably earned it because he probably did something to Tom leading up to it because he always had something for you guys. Dennis, last word on this subject. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, he, he definitely uh, he got his licks in, but uh, that, was, that was the night Tom got his lick back in with him. But yeah, yeah. That was, that was a pretty funny night and just to see him out there. But, yeah, no, I miss him, man. That, um, you know, him, Army, you, Scott, I mean, you guys paved the way. For all these announcers that are out here today, um, 
man, you guys, you guys really made us feel good and, and, and made us somebody. And, you know, it's been, it's been pretty awesome. Well, I tell you, it, it was, I, I, I'll speak for Scott. It was our honor to do that, to be involved with you guys and your, your tribe of people in the world. I did a thing for PBS about tribes and about how different people, so the Indians had this all figured out. One tribe did one thing real good, another tribe did the other thing, another tribe did the other thing. And you can move, and my first sergeant bid, and I'm on December the 1871, we got hit real bad. And I asked him, I said, what, what's this all about? I was a gunner in, in a helicopter. And uh, he said, Mr. Armstrong, he said, uh, you're a unique individual. He said, uh, and I said, why is that? And he said, you have an ability to walk amongst the tribes. I didn't know what he was talking about. But you guys brought that to me. And he told me, he said, I want you to do one thing. He said, I want you to learn one thing at each tribe and take it to the next tribe. And I've always tried to do that and take stories like this and tell people about Pablo and about Gary and about Dennis. And, you know, because you, you are something. And, and uh, you know, you're more than a guy hanging out her transmission going down the highway in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, I, I'll never forget that. I thought, man, if, if they get pulled over, I guarantee you. Scott Stevens will not speed. He won't stop the truck or he'll swear to God he didn't know that man was underneath it. But uh, whatever, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I think Dennis wants to say something about Joe. Yeah, Joe is, um, you know, whenever when, whenever we say Joe Lowe, the first thing that pops into my mind is West Lebanon. You know, that guy and exactly what Pablo said, that winding up that grave digger to get it going. You know, he was like that dude. You know, I've done so. I've done more interviews with him at West Lab than I did anywhere, probably. But you know, he's a guy. He's a character in what we done, and he was an announcer that kept the crowd going when out on the racetrack things were slow. We're doing recovery, trucks are wrecked or whatever. That guy could entertain. He could keep the crowd going. Matter of fact, all you guys could. And Scott, you were good at that too. You know. But um, but Joe was just so colorful, you know, the red, white, and blue. And I remember um, it was either Adam or Ryan. They were really little. And for some reason, they saw Joe down the hallway one night in a hotel dipping into the elevator. And they called him Elvis Presley. He had <laughs> his suit on, you know, coming back from wherever he was in the lounge downstairs, you know. And they said the Elvis Presley guy is here, and uh, and I never forget that. They were talking about Joe, and he didn't look nothing like Elvis Presley to me. But I guess it was the Flash at the time, is what it was, you know. But um, but Joe was uh, you know, Joe was he was truly was one of our stepping stones in uh, in success of all of us guys right here tonight. From you know Pablo, Gary, Scott, you know, um, you know. Army, you know, everybody here, man, um, Joe, you know, Joe really put a staple in, in what we done, you know, as far as being motorsport entertainers mm -hmm. and, um, and he was a good guy for pushing merchandise for me. Yeah. You know, you didn't have to tell him, Hey, don't forget about my t-shirts. That guy was saying it so much. I was feeling guilty. Like people thought I was probably paying him, but I wasn't. That was Joe. He was in the game. He knew it. He knew what it took to make everything work. And um, and he, you know, he made it work well for all of us. And 
he was uh he was it was just an honor to be around him and we were proud to be you know to be a part of the team with joe Lowe. you know and just uh we dearly miss him don't get me wrong and heck i miss a lot of you guys you know we're not we don't run up and down the road you know now we're running up down our hallways and running from the shop back to the house <laughs> and um and you know even when we were out on the road you know we weren't together that much as we got going because when you see the whole turn of what happened in our career with all of us here, we were separated, you know, these are some of my best friends, but campaigning a grave digger truck, it's like my family. We were separated because it was a big demand for grave digger. Pablo's in one city, Gary was in another city. I was in another city. So, you know, grave digger brought us together to separate us. And, um, and it was a good separation because, we entertain the hell out of all of our fans out there. Yep, no doubt about that. That's a that's a good way to put it right there. Well, we're going to take our last break, and uh, we'll see if any of the roundtable sticks around. It's kind of funny. I asked each of these guys to come on for 15 minutes. We're having so much fun, we're all still here. So we'll take this last <laughs> commercial break. We're definitely coming back with Army Armstrong, and if the other guys are still hanging with us, we'll just have more fun stories for you. Either way, thanks to everybody for joining us. I do want to remind you again, if you haven't uh, gotten your subscription or if you subscribed last month, that subscription will run out. We just need you to renew it. Again, that's uh, a great way to continue to support Conversations with Scott Douglas. Again, you can subscribe. Uh, there's the information right there. Where you can do it uh, right here at twitch.tv. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, you've got the opportunity to subscribe using the complimentary subscription that you get with that Prime membership. Back with more as Army Armstrong is in the house and a whole lot of surprise special guests in just a moment. Come down to this. Two weeks of monster truck racing in Louisville, Kentucky's Freedom Hall to determine the 1990 TNT World Champion. Can the Chevrolet Equalizer make it two titles in a row? Or is the Ford Bigfoot ready to reclaim the title of King of the Monster Trucks? You're about to find out here on Tough Track. Welcome to Tough Tracks. Chris Chapman joins us in a moment, but first, Army Armstrong, we are ready to have the third world champion crown. Two years ago, USA won and Bigfoot came down to the wire. USA won, won it here at Louisville, Kentucky's Freedom Hall. Last year, David Morris took the equalizer to the championship again in this building. And this time around, the equalizer with its new driver, Greg Holbrook, Andy Brass, and Bigfoot, one of them leaves Louisville next week with the championship. The only thing for sure when they pull out of the Bluegrass State is a blue truck will be a world champion. There has been so much controversy in 1990 with the uh, penalty given to Bigfoot crew, them having to come back from adversity, John Pyant filling in. There's almost a, a Hollywood drama there. Then you got this rookie coming over, and you call him a rookie only because it's his first year driving. This kid has turned out to be a seasoned veteran in about five short months. That, of course, is Greg Holbrook, who hopes to put the equalizer back in the championship circle. The Bigfoot eight Welcome back to Conversations with Scott Douglas, Army Armstrong, and several surprise special guests are with us. And, you know, Army, uh, I, I could talk a lot about a lot of things. I think people, though, know so much about you and they've followed you and seen so many of your shows. And what, what I'm getting and what I figured we would get from chat room and feedback and things like that is just people are, are just loving the stories from, from back in the days when we were doing the Tough Track show. Um, 
get everybody to jog their mind for a minute. We got one segment left. We can go probably another 15 minutes or so. Uh, Army, a couple of stories that, that maybe we haven't told yet that you thought of that, that people might be might be enjoy for the early days. I know it's kind of putting you on the spot, but um, give me one or two. No, it, it, it's no problem at all. As a matter of fact, I remember that the, the clip that they just ran showed you and I at the uh, Louisville, Far uh, Louisville Freedom Hall. Yep. Okay, we just saw that. Yep. And you're standing there. What people don't realize is from the waist up, you got that town and shirt on, but you're in speedos on the way down. <laughs> they didn't realize. Speaking of that, if you turn in and get a hold of Scott and his merchandise, let's all support him and go from there. He does have a new line of speedos. Dennis Anderson had some interest. So Scott's going to uh, mimic him. But uh, keep that. We all, hey, everybody out there on the internet, we all need to stay together and work together. And, and we got to realize there is a, a museum for monster trucks. Uh, they're, uh, they're working. Uh, it's out of, uh, I'm thinking, Butler, uh, Indiana. And you can go to monstermuseum.org monstermuseum.org and contact those people and let's support them some way, somehow, whatever you got, we can get rid of t-shirts, hats, posters, and pennants, and let's keep this thing alive. And they're trying to do that. They're doing an awful good job. Jeff uh, Cook and his crew up there are doing a good job. So you know, let's, let's take this into the future with this because we can't do it again. Not just because Dennis and the law, you know, it's his work release program. We're awfully proud of Dennis. He's done it all. <laughs> and, uh, but, and, and Gary is still trying. That, that's all we can say. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, uh, we'll make no of it one of these days. So many things happened and, and nothing was planned, was it, guys? Just, it just happened. One of the things you don't want to do is go into a restaurant with these guys. See, remember there was a band where everybody had these bucky teeth? Okay, you guys remember that? Everybody had to have their own and everything. We go into a restaurant, and these guys, you know, they'd be sitting there normal, and then the lady come back out, and everybody had their bucky teeth in. She knew who they were. And I was trying to talk, but I was spitting all over myself. So I didn't. <laughs> Things like that. Uh, Lying to Dennis about which was the men's restroom, which one was the women's restroom. He never did figure that. Uh, it, 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 it was just amazing the stuff we did. And not a one of us, to my knowledge, wound up in jail doing hard time, Dennis. Not hard time. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if I get any chance to talk to you guys again, but it's because uh, I'm closer to eternity than all you guys are. But uh, this part of my life has been a very special part. I've been fortunate to do a lot of things. And but being having you all as my friends and us growing up together and see all you guys succeed, uh, it makes me feel good. I'm proud of every one of you, just like your dad would be of his son. And uh, I want everybody to stay healthy with all this stuff going on. And everyone, everybody stay happy with this stuff, uh, what our country's in and everything, because we're all leaders. And people look to us. And, you know, uh, Dennis, so many times I thought of the saying, you're walking down the street, give a guy a smile because you don't know what he's got going on at home or in the hospital and stuff like that. And that always reminded me of you. Because you always were smiling at people, making people happy. And they call it paying it forward now. And we just called it being nice people back then. And I'm, I'm proud to be in the brotherhood. Uh, 
the brotherhood of you guys. And, and the rest of my life, I'll always remember, remember when I go to the rest home sector and I'm rocking back and forth and I get that old Dennis Anderson t-shirt again, get it out and look at it and everything. Uh, you know, I, I think happy thoughts. And I wish each and every one of you guys, I, God speak, I really do. Uh, and, and there's some guy, you know, I've got friends that starting to pass away and everything. And, I look forward, I'm a Christian, I look forward to seeing them again and everything, and then again, I think, I don't know if they're going to be there or not, uh, when I, you know, if I get there type thing, so, uh, uh, you know, let's all stay together as friends, uh, Pablo, you see Scott, tell him I said hi, and uh, and let's go on and do good things for this uh, this world, we need it, this country needs us now. And they need a positive attitude. And that's something every one of you guys always carried wherever you went. And uh, whether it was Anderson running up the steps to sell t shirt or Pablo hanging underneath the truck to, to, you know, to change the transmission or Gary helping the guy change the rear end, uh, everybody helps. Everybody paid forward. And, uh, and I'm proud to be a part of that. Love each and every one of you. If I can ever help any of y'all, Get get in touch with me, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll do whatever I can. And Scott, thank you for getting us all together, man. I tell you what, I don't you know. I thought you were gonna have officer friendly on here or something. <laughs> I <didn't. laughs> uh, and then I look up and you say, "Gary, for oh man, uh, Jolo talked about you so many times, Dennis. Jolo wore so many of your t-shirts. I know how you got all the advertisements. And Jolo had more damn t-shirts. <laughs> he got his free." I meant to, yeah. yeah, I meant to ask you one time, how do you spell Grave Digger? On about 144 shirts, I saw a misspell, but I'm not going to tell you which one, so you have to figure it out yourself. And Hoffbaker, God love it, you you know, you just don't wear your hair long around that equipment, and I see you're following that rule. So uh, we're all in good shape here. Uh, Scott, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to, I've just finished this thing with the, uh, 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 Discovery Channel, and I want each one of you guys to get a hold of that Discovery Channel Plus, and go to it, and go to Driver's uh, Biography, and then go to the Monster Truck Party. It's uh, Mario Andretti, Junior Johnson, and Bigfoot, and and all you guys are involved in the story Monster Truck Racing, and it's it's perfect, exactly what I want the people of the future to see what we did. And I'm proud of what we did, and I'm proud of each and every one of you. And I hope God puts his hand on the shoulder and, and takes you the rest of the way through your life. Okay, guys. Hey, Army. Don't 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 you don't you hang up now. Again, these are three of the biggest names, as you are well aware, in the history uh, of this industry. And they agreed to come out for 15 minutes, and none of them wants to go away. And after that amazing speech you just gave us there, I want to hear one more time from each of our surprise special guests. Uh, just talking to Army before he goes, because I didn't know it was going to turn into this kind of a roundtable, but this has been special. Pablo, we'll start with you. Yeah. Army, um, man, I just can't thank you enough for being there from from the very first day of my career, and you know you've been you've been a part of it as far as I'm concerned, ever since then. And um, I'm a lucky guy. You said it. You you couldn't have said it any better earlier on. I've never had to work a day in my life. I love what I do. I've done it for many years, and I think all of us kind of can agree with the same thing there. And, you know, life's kind of a big treasure hunt. And each and every one of you guys on that screen are one of those treasures that I've picked up along the way. And I'll treasure, you know, I'll treasure you guys for the rest of my life. But, man, it was just, um, it was just so, 
so good to get to see you here again today. And Gary and, and Dennis, hardly ever get to see any of you. But but Army, man, you've um you you really were there when I first started. So thank you so much for everything you ever did for this industry. And man, I, I'll love you forever. No, Take care. Yes. Gary Porter, why don't you take the next uh, next shot here? I don't tell you what, Army. It was awesome just uh, seeing you and uh, getting to listen to you talk again, and to, uh, just to realize how much you really did help with the history of monster trucks, and how you're still continuing and want to see that carried on um, for everybody to know about. Because a lot of these young drivers, a lot of young awesome drivers. Uh, they really don't know the history of exactly how they got from point A to point B from the early days. But with Dennis and Pablo, I mean, you guys, man, y'all have inspired me so much over the years. And there's uh, great friendships, you know, with each and every one of you. Man, I love all of you. And, uh, you know, it's been awesome to just be a part of Monster Trust because I never had a plan when I built that first truck back in 1985 to be in it 32 years and I would have never thought that I would have um, had the friendships and, uh, you know, the, just the monster truck family that we ended up with. I mean, you guys are awesome. Dennis? It's the family. Dennis right. is going to say he's a jerk. I know. No. You know, <laughs> you know here, here we go again, man. We're talking about our team, about our family. And everybody that's on this screen right now, you know, for was a big success, you know, Gravedigger, you know, I just made it up and I just said it, but all of you people helped me keep that thing alive. In Army, it was, you know, you in the beginning of things that went on with the brand of that truck. And, you know, Scott, you know, you were a big part of that. Pablo was a huge part. Gary was a huge part. Gary and I, when he was Carolina Crusher, ran up and down the road. He was my buddy. I always liked to go with him because Gary's truck stayed together and got on a trailer. I needed help. This guy helped me down the road a hell of a lot. And everybody that's on this screen right now has made Gravedigger what it is. I sure, I, I would have never done it by myself. That truck would have lasted about two years and that would have been it. But, you know, when I say everybody's helped in every kind of way, mechanically, you know, physically, mentally, and financially. And, you know, the financial part of it was if you made enough money with something, you could keep it going. You don't care how dumb, how smart you were, you know what I'm saying? But if you could just, you know, figure out how to make that team work, and you guys were my team, and we never even knew it until we get to the days like this. And, Army, I just want to tell you, man, when I talk to you on the phone Two or three months ago when I was rolling through those hills, man, coming through the bluegrass country there and told you I would send you a T-shirt. Well, I told my wife, I don't give a damn. That guy, we're going to make sure he's going to get a T-shirt because you helped me sell so many pieces of cotton. And so did you, Scott. And so did you, Pablo. You and Tina drug those T-shirts in and out and checked them in and out of buildings. Gary, the same thing, man, campaigning what we did. But... I can't get out of here without showing you guys this. You see this right here? Now, that's a vintage print that is a reprint. And so this is what, Army, you didn't get some antique shirt. We print them today, buddy. But this is what <laughs> right here. I just done this. 
but all of you guys sitting here on this screen who are part of selling cotton for the grave digger and made it what it is. And we could drive that thing like a madman for the fans, but it truly has been an honor, man. And great. I mean, some of the best friends that I have friends today that don't know that I have friends as good as you guys. And, um, and we have to get together, you know, look at, look at how old we're getting guys, you know? So we need to, we need to have a, we need to have a, we need to have a, <laughs> we need to have a come to Jesus, get together. And and a being party. Yeah. I, <laughs> I just wish that we could have a, a place that we would meet and um, we need to hang out for more than just, you know, an hour or two. We need to hang out for a week or two is what we need to do and get everything out of our system. And let's go back down memory road. And whenever you guys want to do it, I got the place called the Gravedigger Getaway. Y'all are welcome. We can come over as a team. We can sleep 12 people there, and we'll hang out on the beach. Gary, Pablo, bring your families. Army, get your old butt. I don't care if you're in an Army tank or a helicopter. Come on. Scott, <laughs> do the same thing. Scott's yeah. been in my house. He spent the night with me before. Yeah, well. <laughs> Wait a minute. You need to explain that. If we come down here this time, though, Army, he's going to strap us into this new truck idea he's got where he's going to take us for a ride. No, you heard I, about I, that, right? I like that idea. I think it could be the future. We're looking at the future there. I was talking to him about it. But Dennis, you got to remember, we've got our own museum now. It's, it's monstermuseum.org. People there out there listening to it, get in touch with those people. Uh, they're they're trying to preserve our sport, and we need to help them and do what we can to help them. Uh, monster, uh, uh, yeah, monstermuseum.org. Keep them in mind, and, and and let's keep this thing alive. You know, it's it's history. They can't, but they can't take away the past. They can't take away the good memories. They can't take away the freezing nights trying to put big tires on a vehicle. Our, our uh, Joe Lowe, your boy, he told your boys that uh, he was Elvis Presley. I don't know if he knew that or not. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. That was really good. Uh, hey, hey, yeah. Army, real, Army, real quick before you finish, just so all you guys know, I, I, I peeked in the chat room. Uh, our good friend Kathy Lowe is watching tonight. So uh, I know everybody really appreciates her tuning in. So, and, uh, oh, I know man. She, she, yeah. she thanked everybody for all the kind comments about Joe. But uh, Army, go ahead and finish up, man. I, this may be conversation with Scott Douglas, but tonight it's your show. So you get the final word. Keep going. Well, I tell you what, it's kind of interesting because when they were talking about Joe Lowe doing the grave digger, he had hemorrhoids. And he would get an attack every now and then, and he was in great danger. And that's that's why he did that. Love you guys. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for getting this all together, Dennis. We'll up on that, Gary. Thank you for your friendship, Pablo. You keep keep that Texas flag going. I love every one of you, and I owe every one of you. And uh, you know, God, I hope God just puts His hand on our all of our shoulders. And uh, we get to the pearly gates, we're going to look around and go like, holy shit. Okay, but uh, and you know, we didn't talk about USA one tonight during this whole thing. Right, right, right. right. Uh -huh. okay. I really want to thank uh, all the guests tonight. Of course, Gary Porter, Dennis Anderson, Pablo Huffaker, and of course, our special guest of the night, 
uh, Army Armstrong. This is kind of setting off a lot of ideas in my mind. I think we need to start doing some some roundtable reunion shows with some of the all-time greats, but it's, it will never top this one tonight. So, again, if you haven't already done so, I hate to end with a sales pitch, but I just want to remind everybody, if you subscribe to the Scott Douglas Media Channel, Twitch.tv, you can go back and watch this show again, and you can watch it again and again, because I guarantee you, if you watched every minute tonight, you watch it again, you'll pick up stories. Oh, wait, I forgot they said that. That's what, <laughs> yeah. this, night, that's what this night has been, and I've just been honored to be a part of it. Thanks to Josh Lee. Great job. Not only pushing the buttons, J, J, uh, Josh tracked down all the old Tough Tracks clips that we put in there. And, of course, Matt Isbell, my executive producer. Thanks to everybody. We'll see you with three great shows next week. And remember, next Thursday night, it's another tribute to Tough Tracks with King Crunch's Scott Stevens. Good night, everybody, and thanks to Army, to Gary, to Pablo, and to Dennis. What a night. Love you guys. See y'all. Guys, I can't thank y'all enough. This was amazing. <laughs>